0: Cubana is a Cuban-Irish singer, one of the rising stars in the Irish music scene at the moment. This year she performed at everything it seems from Electric Picnic and all together now to the Cork Jazz Festival. She's been compared to the likes of Erica Badu, Amy Winehouse and next week she will be taking part in the Other Voices Dingle Distillery Music Trail which kicks off on Friday, December the 1st. But I'm delighted to say she's joining me in studio this evening. I've kind of given it away, Cuban-Irish, yes. <laughs> in the opening sentence but I guess that's where where the title Cubana comes from?
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, hello. Thanks so much for having ah, great me. Great to have this you here. This is so cool. Um, yeah. What a dream and what a year it's been. Um, but yeah, Cubana. So I kind of. Um, it's weird how Cubana is my artist name because I kind of used to be ashamed of being Cuban and not being Irish you know I always wanted to be fully Irish and look fully Irish and I used to go to like extreme lengths of like putting blue eye contacts in and like dyeing my hair blonde to look more European and even changing my body you know Um, to like not have the Latina curves that is like natural for me Um, but now it's become something that is like my main identity and something that I'm really proud of. Um, both of my parents are Cuban uh, and they came here uh, a long time ago and had me, but I was raised in Dublin City, North Frederick Street. Um, so, yeah. So they're...
0: they're- there, are, There is more than one aspect to you. There is definitely <laughs> the Cuban. There is definitely the Irish. And when you add those two together, you probably get something more than both of them separately, which is, I'm guessing, what, what we're about to hear. And in yeah. fact, you, you you don't deny that heritage, that Cuban heritage at all in the songs, because quite often they're in... Both, I was going to say both in Irish and English. They're in both Spanish. <laughs> I
1: wish I could speak <laughs> Irish. Yeah, then you'd be
0: trilingual. <laughs> so they're both in, in both Spanish and English that, that we're going to get. And in fact, the song that you're going for sing to sing for us right now ha, has both languages in within it and in the title. Mm-hmm. What is it?
1: It's called Mundo en mis manos and it means the world is in my hands.
0: Mundo en mis manos. Perfect.
1: You ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three. <laughs> Three. Bye to bye to do bye. Bye to bye to bye. Bye to do bye. No better. Bye, du ba du Ba-du-ba-du-ba du 13 I felt lonely Sixteen, I felt nothing at all Twenty, I think I figured it out Twenty-five, yeah, I'm starting to crawl Starting to crawl Realize I know nothing at all, yeah, yeah oh, oh, oh. But she hides like a nightshade And it crumbles and calls Mask go figure it out Does it mean it means nothing at all Nothing at all Nothing at all, yeah, yeah Wah, hi, oh, wah, hi, yo oh, 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 hi, oh, 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 Seek the lives that I've never known Breathe the dust if I right my wrongs If forgiveness is never sown I'll forgive but I'll never seek Any pain that you've given me Channel all of my energies Cause the past me has been and gone I've slept in time the chains are holding me to my surprise Revenge doesn't feel sweet, a butterfly En huerta, en duda, sin razón Y vuelan como no hay destinación El mundo en mis manos y vuelo como sí. Te regalo un solo momento para bailar como monami, mi privileged to be, and feel nothing at all, at all, at all, at all, at all. Thirteen, I felt lonely, sixteen, I felt nothing at all. Twenty, I think I figured it out Twenty-five, yeah, I'm starting to crawl Starting to crawl Realize I know nothing at all Will you stop and listen If there's something that you want to know Cause silence is all we pray to different entities, yeah, but with the same goal So I will not judge where I am today I will observe and be kind For when I am kind, it connects my heart, my life and my mind I slipped in time The chains are holding me to my surprise Revenge doesn't feel sweet, a oh, bird, fly, yeah. Envuelta en, en dudas sin razón, y vuelan como no hay destinación. Y el mundo en mis manos, y vuelo como sí. Si te regalo solo un solo momento para bailar como monami conocerme a mí. Privilege to be and feel nothing at all, at all, at all, at all, at all. Yeah.
0: So live in studio that is mundo en mis manos the word is in my hands from cubana cuban irish singer who's Thank in with us this evening you. i have to say cubana why oh, we should also have explained it wasn't me that you were asking at the top was I ready? You, you weren't you weren't alone no
1: <laughs> no i'm here with um, i'm here with yuli who is also a very talented musician if you don't know him already same um
0: yeah, yeah and that the guitar the, the guitar really bringing out i suppose the the Cuban side of your personality in that song because I heard right. it on I heard it on the uh, you know obviously in the recorded version which yes has that feel to it but yeah. the guitar really gives us the the Latino feel I think uh, in a way that perhaps emphasises that aspect of your of your background
1: right so um, yeah me and Rafino, we met and uh, we he just gets my music completely and we are releasing uh, another version of Mundo en mis manos quite soon right um the date is not uh, set yet, but you know stay tuned, but it's more in the likes of that the way, in the way we of, just heard uh, it that,
0: yeah that exactly kind of, and you know I, I'm I'm interested in you you were saying beforehand that for a long time you spent you know you kind of you try to hide that Cuban heritage, you try to hide that um that aspect of your of your personality and uh, and of your background at thirteen, I felt lonely at sixteen, I felt nothing at all, twenty. I think I figured it out, and at twenty-five, starting to crawl. <laughs> it's yes. a great lyric, a kind of a, a life story told in in yes. four numbers. Was there a moment then when you you said to yourself, "Hold on a minute, why would I let go of that beautiful Spanish language?" And the way you sing it, you do become a, a different singer. I have to say, when I'm watching you sing oh, in thank Spanish, you.
1: <laughs> yeah, my throat is gone. I. Sorry, I like no, if you can No, didn't hear, sound like that. Didn't sound like you that so at much. all. Um, yeah, I was just I was rehearsing all day yesterday and then I had a gig, so I'm just on um, But anyways, mm. um, yeah, I I What was the question it again? was, I was asking,
0: <laughs> was was there a moment when you thought when you said, was there something specific that made you say, "I'm embracing this Cuban heritage. I'm not going to deny it any longer?"
1: Um I think it kind of just comes with age. Um I think turning 25 Uh, I kind of stopped caring so much about what other people would think of me. Um, I spent so long, and I think a lot of teenagers do, to be honest, Um, all you want to do is be accepted by your friends and your peers. But then it can be quite lonely because although you're surrounded by loads of people, you're not feeling like yourself and so in that sense you feel like you're not really connecting with anybody and so I think I just had to take that decision I I moved to London and I moved to London by myself Um, and that really helped me kind of just start fresh yeah because I was going to be alone anyways so why not try attract the people that are more suited to me yeah
0: you know, and 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 then and that explains that thirteen you felt lonely because obviously you knew who, who was in there at the back of your mind.
2: Yeah.
0: By sixteen you had to kind of alienate yourself and feel nothing at all to be the person that you felt other people wanted you to be. Then yeah. the move to London comes and you you you, you realise, Oh, I can start to crawl now. Yeah. I can start to be be myself. The the people who perhaps you felt, you know, when you were growing up that you had to be one hundred percent Irish for them, have yeah. they heard you singing now, and have they heard and seen this side of you? <laughs> have they reacted to it
1: i don 't really know to be honest because i 'm just kind of in my own world i don 't i I have a lot of friends and I have a lot of gorgeous friends and but i don't really hmm. go out i 'm just kind of in the studio <laughs> or working all the times, but which i 'm happy about yeah um hopefully they 've heard my music and hopefully they they like it? Uh I don't know. I I'd, so in... I'd be
0: pretty um, would, <laughs> I'd be I I'd, I would be astonished if they don't go, "Why didn't you show us that side of yourself sooner?" because it, it it it's very expressive and even watching you, I mean there was dancing going on in the chair and it wasn't all me, yourself and and Rafino as you call him were yeah. we're doing I mean there was wonderful chemistry in terms of the, the movement and the communication between the two of you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's fun. I mean I think like a lot of what happened uh, with people not accepting me, it, I went to uh, five different primary schools and four of them were council schools. And, you know, I think the lack of education there um, led to a lot of racism. I don't think that they're bad people at all. I think that they just didn't know any better. So hopefully they grew and they learned and... They see differently now, so mm.
0: yeah. And and when you see, you know what happened uh, in Dublin last night. Yeah, that must be. Does that bring you back in any way to that those years growing up? Obviously, you mightn't Hopefully, I didn't. You didn't experience any of the sort of things that we saw on the streets last night. Hmm. But um, did did it did it bring back difficult memories to you in any way?
1: Yeah, it did bring a lot of difficult memories because um I don't know, like growing up. Where I did grow up is very close to Parnell. I lived on North Frederick Street um, and I grew up around that area. I went to the ILAC Centre every day. and yeah, I was kind of like excluded from everybody because I was foreign and always told to go back to my country. But I was like, but I was born here just because, you know, my parents, both my parents, I get it, aren't Irish. And I see it happen a lot with my parents more so because my mother has a lot more of an accent than I do. And my father does as well. And um, so it just makes me sad to feel that like my parents could be attacked for something that they would never be a part of. Yeah. You know, at uh, some awful person that decided to attack innocent Purity, children
0: purely, purely on the grounds of their well, we don't know anything about that particular attack, but it, purely on the grounds of their race that uh, that yeah. they, there might be something that would it, pu- pu- push somebody into actions that it's none of us want to, well, none of us want to think about. However, term. that Cuban side and the music of 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 Cuba was that there. Uh, in in your house growing yeah. up it had to be for you to have it so ingrained within you.
1: Yeah it was uh, I grew up uh, dancing and listening to salsa music and all types of music to be honest um, but my dad there's videos of me as a kid just salsa dancing with a chair and my dad used to put like a, a jumper with sleeves on it mm. so I'd learn how to salsa dance with the chair because <laughs> it was the same height as me Uh, But yeah, and I went back and forth from Cuba every year. I spent like four months there. I went to school there for a little bit. And, And yeah, because Cuba is quite poor, we don't really have that much. But what we do have is music on the streets. And that was happening every single night. So I don't think it was... I couldn't really avoid music yeah. being a huge part of my personality, you know. So
0: while at home, the Cuban side of you was alive and well and growing, Yeah. <laughs> getting ready to become Cubana, the, the singer. Yes,
1: and here I am. Uh,
0: and and off down to Dingle then, you'll have to get the, the, the cupola focal, you'll have to get the couple of words of Irish into your into I the know. mix now as well.
1: I'm trying. I have a tattoo saying Grah More and I love saying that. I mean, I one thing that I kind of regret, um, growing up is not learning more Irish because mm. I think it's such a beautiful language, you know? It's something that Irish people have for themselves, you know? And I think that should be nurtured. Um, I think especially with, like, Cuba, because, like, Spain colonized Cuba, like, all the Cubans were kind of wiped out and they had their own language too. They weren't yeah. able to to nurture that yeah. and you guys are able to nurture that, which is so cool. Um, like, if I, I know I'm going to have kids... Someday, that's like one of my main goals, and um, they're all going to go to a Gaelic school, even though I can't speak Irish. But
0: they're going to learn. Okay. <laughs> so, well, let me give you the title for your next song. I'll give you the two of the three titles. One's going to be Gromor, which is going to mean big love. What's yeah. it going to be called in Spanish then? Um, big love. Mucho amor. Okay, Gromor, mucho amor. Big love.
1: Big love. Yeah.
0: I, I expect to get the first play of that song when you, when you write it straight back in here to do it for me. Come
1: <laughs> back tomorrow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listen, thanks to both of you, voices, yourself and Rafina, for being in Thank with us you this for evening. Kivana there, who will be playing the Other Voices Dingle Distillery Music Trail next weekend. And you can find out more details on othervoices.ie. I am used to my next guest. The guest, Declan Burke, popping in to flag the latest crime fiction releases. But tonight, he is insisting before him to go where no man has gone before. Yes, we are looking at new sci-fi releases in fiction. And within that niche area of Irish sci-fi fiction, which may be one step beyond in volume, but not in ambition. Okay, I'll stop now. (laughs) (laughs) Two is more than enough of that. Uh, Declan, um, let's begin... You know, we've spoken on numerous occasions uh, about the growth of Irish crime fiction, about the growth of crime fiction, not just in Ireland, about specific pockets and sure. sub-genres <laughs> of, of Irish crime fiction, yeah. you know, Northern war uh, and, and if you want to say even Celtic crime fiction in Italian Noir, etc, etc. We could go on about that forever. I don't see the same kind of um, sci-fi fiction Well,
2: you're 100% right, uh, Sean. There's, you know, it's a tiny, uh, <clears throat> a small but perfectly formed, if I can put it that way. I have no idea why Ireland has kind of lagged behind so badly in terms of producing Irish crime mm. fiction. Um, there's a guy called Jack Fennell who is Mr. Irish Science Fiction. He put together a couple of terrific books on the kind of history, um, and this is going back, you know, 100, 150, 200 years, you know, examples of where Irish writers had written speculative fiction yeah, or science yeah. fiction and so forth. But in terms of contemporary authors, there isn't an awful lot. Uh, Sarah Maria Griffin, Spare and Found Parts, which is kind of homage to, uh, to Frankenstein, for example, Joe Zebedee, uh, who's from Northern Ireland, she writes the kind of space opera trilogy, the, mm-hmm. the Inheritance trilogy. Um, there isn't enough, there seems to be more and more of a coming, uh, which I think is terrific news, uh, because we're all over all the other genres, yeah. as you say.
0: And, and the other thing about it is, and I, now I, I haven't done this thesis, and I'm, it's only kind of striking me now, but it does strike me that for a country that was so uh, important in terms of gothic fiction, absolutely. I mean, gothic fiction and sci fi. They may be 150 years apart, but they are kind of cousins in some way. I, I would,
2: they? I would agree. A lot of people pair contemporary fantasy and science fiction. Where you know, I presume you're talking about the likes of Dracula. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about Melmoth the Wanderer, these yeah. kind of novels. Absolutely. So the, the seeds were there. Yeah. Um, and you can say that. Well, maybe Ireland didn't have the kind of technological society that would have promoted that kind of writing. That is certainly a dead rubber now, because oh, for the last 15, we, 20 years, yeah. we're hosting virtually we, uh, every every uh, every. We we, we, we absolutely are. So fingers crossed, we'd be looking, maybe we'd be having more of a chat about Irish crime or Irish science fiction writers, you know, over the next couple of years. Or i will be saying to somebody and saying, well, I know a fellow called Declan who knows everything about crime fiction. So do you know everything about Irish <laughs> sci-fi fiction?
0: Anyway, look, let's get let's get into some of the books that you've chosen for us. And you're starting with an Irish writer, a Limerick writer, Daniel J. Mooney and the 14th storm is the title of the book dealing mostly with uh, titles pertinent to topics of climate change sci-fi sci-fi they're yeah. quite definitely if not first cousins they may well be siblings uh
2: well well certainly this is a sci-fi could put it that way it's, it's certainly a, a dystopian novel that that's heavily influenced by by climate change uh the 14th storm as the title suggests so according to the novel the first truly cataclysmic storm of the climate change epoch that that hit Ireland in about 2026. Uh, and we've so and only got three years? Roughly, well, we have three, and three, three and years. Now, now really? the, the good news is that they tend to increase in volume. So, 20 years on or so, which is when this novel is set, mm. um, you know, they've been coming for, well, the 14th storm is roughly the 14th year, I should say. And they've just increased in, in, in strength and power and so forth. And they have effectively ripped Irish society apart. Uh, you know, we have in the early years, the, the, Power grids failed, the, um, the the infrastructure failed, all these kind of things, and as a result, society started to fragment, started to break up. And um, so, as this novel opens, the idea of climate change denial is one of the worst mm. sins. Are crimes that anyone can commit, and we have two agents of the Department of Environmental Justice, mali and Broderick, and they're setting out to uh, to uh, well to execute effectively. You sound
0: like two guys from a Victorian Gothic novel, they, Mally and Broderick, they, don't they? They
2: they're kind of do. It's, it's a woman and a man. Uh, Malley is is a woman. She's kind. Of, she's the leader, uh, slightly older than Broderick. He's much more of a. Um, obsessive, his parents were climatologists and were basically scoffed at until it was too late so he's very much uh, passionate about his crusade He, he basically wants to wipe out anybody any time who might have even hinted at denying climate change.
0: Right, so there's um, lots of, I, I suppose there's kind of ethical dilemmas in there as much as there is a, a kind of a plot-driven story.
2: Well, there is. I mean, it is, you're right, there's a very much a plot-driven story that is, you know, and the climate change is hugely important to it. But the longer it goes on, this ethical dilemma that you're talking about mm. does come into it because at what point do you stop holding people responsible for political views or scientific views that they might have held two decades previously. Are people allowed to change are the likes of Malley and Broderick themselves allowed to change? Are they allowed to slow off this role as, you know, professional assassin on behalf of the state and become somebody else and All so right. forth? So, yeah, it, there's lots and lots to get your teeth into here if you're a fan of science fiction. And um, sci-fi exactly is that niche, niche thing that you, you spot it. But I think it's an, an excellent example. Uh, of the, the 14th
0: genre. Storm from Daniel J. Mooney, the title of the first book then from Deckenberg this evening. Uh, international with your second choice, The Jungle House. This is from a Colombian writer called Julianne Pacheco. I hope I'm saying that correctly um, and this is all about you know whether we whether we we're, we all want to be smart hmm. uh, we, we want to have smart devices as well we want smartphones, smart fridges uh, Alexa reminding us to do everything Absolutely. so um, where are we at uh, here um, I suppose you can think of Never Let Me Go Ishiguro, you can uh, Lord of the Flies. It's a kind of the, it's the child of those two books, is it in some it, ways? It is
2: in a sense because both of those novels, in in the context of Jungle House, particularly, they, they're both um, I suppose they're both about a very unusual kind of coming of age story mm. uh, in in extreme conditions. And um, and and with Jungle House, you've t- talked about smartphones and smart fridges and so forth. This takes the next logical step: the entire house which is set in a remote part of the uh, mountainous, um, unnamed Central American country. The entire house is wired for sound. It's run by the artificial intelligence whom the main character, who's called Lena, refers to as mother. Lena was abandoned as an orphan in the grounds of the house and has been reared by this artificial intelligence with the help of two androids who are fairly... Bog standard. Apparently, they're quite old. Where the book is quite rude about them, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but Lena has grown up, effectively known very little human contact right. apart from that of the Morell family who owned the house. They come for a couple of weeks every year and so forth, and they go away. But her only real exposure to nurturing is it's courtesy true. of yeah. the artificial right. uh, life and and. There's an element, I thought, of kind of, you know, Hal 9000 from 2001, but actually Mother in this is a brilliant idiosyncratic character.
0: All right, Julianne, Pacheco and Jungle House uh, is the second book. Let's go to, um, and I will just fly through the the next two if we can. Oh God, the sun goes by David Connor published by Melville yeah, House yeah
2: fascinating set at least it starts with the sun goes it disappears and the unnamed narrator sets out to see if he can find the sun uh, which I thought was an absolutely fantastic mm. idea
0: we're in the world of climate change in some ways it, there again, are we? Well,
2: it kind of slightly alludes to it. It's more of a, as the story progresses, we re- realise that the sun is a kind of a metaphor for this gigantic loss in the, the, the narrator's uh, life. And it, it becomes a, a trek across this, this trackless mindscape that he's, uh, he's trying to track down this mm. loss and find his way back to the, the right. heart of what he lost.
0: David Connor uh, the writer here oh god the sun goes uh, sci-fi his fourth choice you have for is Sir Hereward and Mr Fitz Garth Nix Nix is a young adult writer uh, writes for young adults is this is this aimed at that particular no this is this is heart? for
2: adults every now and again he has published one of these Sir Hereward and Mr Fitz short story long short stories Sir Hereward is a kind of Don Quixote type knight who so
0: is it a collection of short stories it, it is are a are they collection of
2: uh, not really no they're just kind of their are successive there's one new one for his fans. Uh, Sir Herwood works for the Council for the Treaty of for the Safety of the World and his job is to suppress unlicensed or proscribed gods and assisting him in this is Mr Fitz who was a three foot high puppet with a giant paper mache head who has all kinds of sorcery and magic at his fingertips. Sounds absolutely bonkers Sean I can see that from the expression on yes. your face. It's utterly delightful. Oh, utterly delightful. Jeeves and Worcester set in a fantasy world. Ah, I've sold to the man at <laughs> the back. The <laughs> yeah. Final
0: one I wanted to leave. Just a teeny bit more time for um, this is uh, Carol Capex. Or you are, and the vision of artificial life. Is this a series of essays? Is this fiction or non-fiction? Are we in?
2: The, well, we get the it's, it's a new translation of the play. Or you are Rossum's Universal Robots, which is first. Produced in 1921, I think, and which introduced the idea of robots uh, to the world.
0: So that was where the the, the idea of robot first came. It was
2: his brother, actually, Carol Capric's brother, who coined Roboti is uh, Czech for surf. So Ah. he had this concept and he came up with the idea of robots. Um, and, And the story is about this. Rossum's this company who invents a kind of robot. The difference, I suppose, what's important about this is robots are not mechanical creatures in this. They're actually biological slash chemical creatures. They're human life, but they're not life as we know it. And there we are back to the Frankenstein type <coughs> well, of feel, aren't we? Well, absolutely, we are. And then so we get a new translation of the play, which is from a, a, a Czech uh, writer, which gives kind of different nuances. And then we get a series of about 15 Essays from all kinds of different perspectives, from artificial life, from, from scientists who are into, you know, look, it's, right. it's an absolutely fascinating read. The list of, we're talking about artificial panpsychism, sex robots, the Mars rover curiosity, the biological uncertainty principle. I was educated that day. And, and the need for vulnerable machines is, is, is another rest. It's absolutely fast. Anyone who's interested in artificial intelligence or AI life, as they call it, really needs to get their hands on this book.
0: Right. That's a very strong recommendation indeed. Carol Capic or you are and The Vision of Artificial Life, uh, edited by Jitka Chekova. MIT Press, is uh, the publishers there. Uh, thanks for those, Declan. I'm, I, I feel a burgeoning sci-fi expert growing <laughs> within you as we speak. And uh, lots of smart, can I say, selections within that group <laughs> that you gave us this evening. Um, oh, yes, that's my third bad joke. That's <laughs> finished for the night. Declan Burke, thanks for coming in to us. Uh, sci-fi novels and books of the moment. An eclectic bunch up for review in the album selection. The saving first in six years from the remaining trio of Gary, Mark, and Howard. Yes, take that. After several different lineups since they began in 1990, the boy band have grown up, or have they, and are in reflective mood on their latest release, which is called This Life. Next up will be November Medicine from Dublin rapper Nilo. Sophomore release sees Nilo emerging from a turbulent phase in his life after the end of a 10-year relationship. And lastly, blockbuster from veteran rap Busta Rhymes. Here he collaborates with some of the biggest names in rap, including Swiss Beats, Pharrell Williams and Timberland. With me to talk about all three albums, John Marr and Nadine O'Regan. Let's start with Take That and let's hear what they're singing about in this life. And that is the title track from the new album from Take That uh, a track and an album called This Life and as I say Nadine O'Regan and John Marr are two reviewers this evening. You were talking as we were listening to that John about um, interviewing Gary Barlow. He's an extremely
3: nice individual Sean and I have to say that this is an extremely nice album. Uh, it is also an extremely boring album and it's <laughs> typified by that title song. Mm. Um it, it it does its business in a pretty elevator music kind of way. And once you listen to the album or even an individual song, it immediately leaves your mind. You do, it's hard okay. to think...
0: All right. Um, I heard you saying the word "nice" twice, and I thought I might get a chance to say I feel a butt coming, but um, I didn't even have time to say I feel a butt coming. <laughs> uh, Nadine, um, did we were wondering? Um, John won't admit as to whether he cried when Robbie Williams left. Take that or not? Were you? <laughs> were you? Were you upset when Robbie Williams left? Take that. And are we missing? Are we missing a wee we touch a Robbie in here?
4: Uh, no, I didn't particularly blink when Robbie left Take That. I must admit, but w- we are missing Robbie here. We're missing the, the bit of devilment. Like he needs mm. to kind of poke the bear a small bit because this there's an awful lot of polite craft being poured into this album. And like you know, in the notes I had jotted down, I was like, it's it's sort of as 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 lovely as a pair of fur lined M&S slip slippers. You know, you sort of think this is this is lovely. And and I was I was actually listening to it in the kitchen and thinking, you know, this is lovely and and the thing is song after song is lovely and then you get a little bit weary of all the loveliness um, but having said that like that particular song the the title track yeah. it is very good I mean there's no doubt that it is really clever my concern with it was was that it almost verged on parody or cliche because yeah. it's nearly so perfect that it sounds pleased with itself <laughs>
0: <laughs> So uh, uh, John's, John's word of the night was nice yours is lovely clearly and again I didn't get a chance to say I feel the butt coming you were straight in although the grimace on John Mar's face I wish you could have seen it Nadine when you said that it it's uh, did you say it was very good this life the song i don 't know
4: um it is technically a very well crafted song but I actually yeah. I actually thought it was more suitable for you know the moment in the film where the hero has has has, has reached his sort of nadir and he's, he's thinking to himself what am I going to do and then the, the sun comes out and he thinks I will do this and there's a moment where <laughs> everything starts to pan out for him again and it's really more in bat line it's more it's closer to musical than it is to pop single okay. a little bit for
3: John I, I take now. Dean's point there in that the there is craft for sure the arrangements are beautifully done there's a lot of uh, very good session players who are in studio and they're crafting something sweet and well done the problem is the, the trio and let's just call them a duo because like you know I'm not sure necessarily what Howard Donald is doing here, but mm. but, but but so for you, G- it's, Gowry, it's Gary and, Mar- Gary and, and Mark Owen. And, and Mark Owen effectively who are singing here. And I mean, at least when Gary sings, there's a little bit of there's a the tiniest sliver of edge there's such a sweetness to Mark Owen's vocal and it's just hard to take Alright
0: let me let me have a little taste of um, Time and Time Again which a bit like This Life is a, is a well-worn phrase isn't it? Here we we'll have, we'll have a little bit of that I
3: get up Time and time again
0: Time and time again. There we go. Time and time again from Tick That on the new album, This Life. And we're just saying in studio here, Nadine, you know, you know, it's important to remember Tick That did know how to write a good pop song in their day. I, I, I feel. Oh, yeah. Mm.
4: Yeah, no, and definitely like this. the thing is, I think probably there's just maybe too much craft and not enough yeah. kind of sass or something. But yeah. actually, if you listen, if you go through the album song by song and listen to the lyrics, the lyrics are incredibly anodyne. You know, they're always looking at the stars. They're always discussing, you yeah. know, that they're daydreaming or that their pain is kind of arriving or leaving and their hearts are, you know, and then yeah. then on like a song like We Got All Day, the lyrics are literally, let's take our time, we got all day. Yeah,
0: well, the time and, and time- Again, is repeated three times in the first in the first section of that song, and I think it comes back a few times later on as well.
4: Yeah, they they just they need a bit of a kick yeah. in the arse.
0: No, <laughs> I couldn't have put it better myself, uh, or I certainly would not have put it like that myself perhaps, either. I, I'd
3: like to echo yeah, exactly please what don't Nadine echo said it too much. there. Um, I, I like it, it. To me, it sounds like an album that's made by very wealthy men in their early 50s who haven't a care in the world. I mean, when they go on tour, they sell out arenas, mainly because there's lots of great songs from the past, particularly from the Robbie era. But you kind of know that when they play some of these, there will be a mass exodus to the bars. That's guaranteed. All right,
0: uh, but they will be playing in Dublin, Cork, and Belfast next year, and can't wait. You know Sean. the songs that you can go to the bar during and come back for the come back for the old hits. Stars from you in on yeah, this and, one. Yeah, and
4: just sorry, and just to say, like I wouldn't be like in any way take that snob. You know, I'd, yeah, I yeah, I was going fully, to say that. It's important uh, not to be
0: snobby about it. Yeah,
4: no, but I would fully agree. Like I think Gary Barlow is one of the most gifted songwriters of his generation you cannot deliver that number of hits and 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 fundamentally not have yeah. you know some you're, he's very plugged in in terms of what he's doing so you know i, I wouldn't like it to come yeah. across that you know that that i don't feel that way however this album is this album to is bounce, not the one i would one, say three
0: yeah you're not yeah. it's not the one that you're going to be listening to in it, 20 yeah. years time whereas you might be listening to some of the old ones Oh yeah, yeah. It's, I, I think it's a three you I yeah. think you would be for sure but So three from Nadine what are you saying John? I think I'm being overly generous by giving it two overly And
3: generous I'm not in any way take that snob I mean I have to say some great stuff from the past
0: really great stuff but this is the laziest album of their career Yeah it's, it's the anodyne nature of it that is problematic and that is not there in some of the early material let's be honest we've all bopped along particularly to Robbie I think that's that's the missing element here for me let us move on to November Medicine from Goldman rapper Nilo which he has described as a reckoning with what it means to be a father a son a friend an ex-husband and a good person it kind of sets out his, he sets out his stall there Nadine for what, yeah. what what is it must have been a difficult album to write I, I'm guessing and, and I mean that in terms of the themes
4: it must have been a difficult album to write given, you know, that it comes in the wake of this 10 year um, relationship breakup. And he, it is something of an audio diary. You get a sense of his family, his mother, his child, you know, his former partner. And when he, when he, when he writes and when he speaks, he he will throw in little lines like on Spirit Totem when he says, um, I do this, i.e. songwriting for a sense of purpose. You know, the meaning that making music has for him is, is so well rendered on this album. And it's so clear, you know, he says it's, this is just me painting pictures with prose. And it's obvious that making making his, his music is giving him something of a lifeline. And actually, what I loved about this record was the sense of pace and the depth and the lyrics and, and his ability to kind of move between light and shade. Mm. And sometimes some of the interludes are just little audio snippets that, yeah. you know, voice memos that he shared with friends. And then he'll go into, you know, a, a very, very tough kind of spoken word rant at different points. So you're getting a sense of a very full kind of palette from him which is really beautiful
0: Let's have a, a listen to the, you mentioned the song Spirit Totem there, let's have a listen to that
4: so hope the cream still flows To all the lonely souls Find me in the snow Ten points deep my no phones Hold the court With all my oldest pros Sitting Guinness Like nobody's business And that's gas Because it's a business that nobody knows
0: A little section there From Spirit Totem From Nilo And his uh, new album November Medicine And I was saying As we're listening to that And, and uh, in fact Nadine Said the same thing John There is it, It's as much spoken word This as it is A song album But what's going on Musically behind That spoken word is Oh, there's in, there's texture. incredible depth, um, beautiful arrangements, real invention.
3: Uh, I thought, like, even if you strip away the the vocals, uh, and it's not just his voice. You've mm. got Morgana from Saint Sister as well. You've got a, a really good album as an instrumental album, but it's it's fascinating what he's talking about as well. I mean, it's it's a it's very much an album that comes from the heart. I mean, he's been through the ringer and uh, as Nadine mentioned, some of those voice notes, they really go go, go into detail about how he's feeling, like uh, significant depression, the breakdown of a marriage, um, coming back to Ireland, living in his parents' home, uh, a a feeling of worthlessness. He's not
0: afraid to go
3: deep on
0: some of the subjects
3: Mm. that a lot of people can empathise with.
0: And one of the things that I noticed in the way that he does go deep, uh, Nadine, is, you know, It would be very easy to kind of become introspective in that regard and to become quite introverted and and internalised in terms of the performance. But what I sense is this big, open, emotional ball that he's just expressing outwards to us rather than inwards to himself.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's one interlude where he talks about walking through the forest and he was thinking, like, what is the point of everything? And then he describes how in the clearing he came into, there were all these birds that were just circling and the light was sort of dappled. And suddenly he started thinking to himself, "Okay, this is a moment. There is there is life beyond the point where I'm at. And. The fact that he's always reaching for that is, I think, what makes the album so endearing because you can sense that he's often been in a very bad place, but he's constantly looking around to remind himself of other aspects of life.
0: Going to listen to a little bit of a song called Serial, which features Rachel McCauley and Morgana and also features Yuli. Who was in with us earlier on actually um, uh, uh, playing with Cubana he was the guitarist uh, in, in his Raffalino mode when he was in with us earlier on but here he is uh, in the midst of this Nilo track as well
4: Yeah hit the road looking for a miracle yeah, My soul is so full of hoses like
1: cereal The fact that you me
0: yeah, some beautiful singing there i think that i'm not sure if that's Rachel Macaulay or or Morgana but it certainly adds to to, Neil, to nilo's track serial and uh, nadine we were speaking earlier about the quality or lack thereof of the lyrics on the take that album hit the road looking for a miracle my songs so full of songs it's like serial i mean <laughs> that's quite a that's quite a couplet
4: yeah, it is. And there's so many lines like that where they're just rich, but they're also they're not kind of fancy, if you know what I mean. Like they're they're not overworked. Yeah. Um, because I think he's willing to be revealing uh, in each moment he's telling you something new about himself and you're going oh like it catches your ear in a very interesting way he also I mean occasionally would, would will look to wider um, circumstances so he has um, lyrics about racism in Ireland and he will move into sort of more more contemplative moments so you, you're actually getting mm. this wider political sense from him as well as well as his private life which is um, you know it's, it's, it's managed very well I think at times it does get a little bit less focused, I think towards the end of a track called Forest which is a great track but it starts to get a little bit ranty um, but largely it really works
0: So stars from you on, on this one Nadine? four a solid four and John you were talking about the self deprecating nature of some of the lyrics which is there in that song I just it, love it It, it. is My song's so full of holes it's like that, serious that
3: light and shade is important yeah. because it would be too bleak yeah. otherwise I think generally this is a wonderful
0: album and I it's four from me as well four from you as well for Nilo and uh, the second album which is called November Medicine if you need it at this time of year then that's where you might just find it move on then to Buster Rhymes and latest album eleventh album in fact from the U.S. rapper called Blockbuster. Let's start with a track in this one, which I'm glad to say has "clean" written beside it. It's hard to find them on the on the Busta Rhymes album. This is "Luxury Life."
3: Yeah.
0: There we go. "Luxury Life," the title of that track featuring an artist. Who I'm calling Coyle Ray uh, along with. Uh, Buster Rhymes and the album called Blockbuster I suppose John I mean this is a this is a, a guy who's been around the rap scene for, for quite a long time he's not reinventing whatever <laughs> whatever it is that rap rap rappers use as wheels he's not reinventing he, the he's wheel not, here not but I
3: suppose he doesn't have to he's no. been so influential for other people the album is is well titled as well because you know he's drawn on some huge heavyweights uh, for uh, for this album including Um, A trio of incredible producers. I mean, you've got Timbaland, Pharrell Williams and Swizz Beats. Each of those people themselves are hugely in demand. And it sounds like an album that has had every bit of studio trickery that's there thrown at it. It does sound completely pristine
0: trickery and pristine doesn't sound um, I'll I'll hold off on the (laughs) butt there might be a butt or there might not I I, I was going to put that that same question to you about reinventing the wheel Nadine but I suppose is it okay for somebody of this um, achievement to come and give us an album which is kind of what you expect from Busta Rhymes
4: yeah, I mean, I think it's okay to do that. And I agree that the production is kind of the superstar on this album. The, the production is sleek. You know, it's actually lovely to listen to from that level. Although sometimes for me, and, you know, it, it's just a personal thing, but the expletives get really yeah. wearing yeah. It's every two... Words, it feels like. So I'm, I'm, you know, it's amazing you were able to play anything. Um, But, um, but for me, the album is just so long. You know, these nineteen tracks, and they do this because you put it up on Spotify, and then there's this greater chance that people will will listen, and you get more clicks because there are more tracks, and then you get more you know cash so so it's a, it's a particularly big thing in the rap world where they insist on having these incredibly long albums but it actually works to their detriment because the album comes off as bloated and you're having to kind of you know work to find um, the tracks that really really shine and it would have it been much better if it was a, a 12 song yeah. uh, record
0: uh, and so sleek and lovely isn't necessarily a good thing or is it as you give us your stars because that's how you described it <laughs>
4: Well, it's, it's good from the production perspective. Um, I wasn't blown away overall. I, I mm. went with three and I felt that was generous.
0: Yeah, I felt you were being generous enough with your three. So, John, you're pristine. And what was the other word you used to describe it? Uh, clean? Was it pristine it, and clean? Definitely not clean in terms of the lyrics. No. Uh, it, 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 in, in terms of production. It,
3: production is incredible. Uh, I also agree that it's far too long and there are too many guests and it feels like uh, Buster Rhymes is guesting on his own album. Uh, it's three from me as well. Okay, I suppose he would say it's called Blockbuster
0: for, <laughs> for a reason. and Maybe that's why. But I take both of your points on that in that regard. Three stars, uh, pretty solid from both of you there for Buster Rhymes. Uh, obviously, the star of the evening was November Medicine from Neil no doubt about that. We also talked about This Life from Take That.